Further Information, a podcast about cops and probate law. This episode focuses on cops, although I would kind of be interested in that other thing. A couple of things before we get into it today. How are you guys liking the show? If you leave YouTube comments and podcast player reviews, it helps out the popularity of the show. Of course, most people just text me. Hey, less of the host, more of the guest. When's my episode going to be on? Have you picked up the kids from school yet? It's 11 p.m. That last one is probably not show-related. Overall, I'm hearing from you guys and gals that you're enjoying it, and I'm glad. I'm really enjoying doing it for you and connecting with my friends, former co-workers, and good cops. I've never mentioned the music on the podcast before. Uh, of course, each officer's intro is laid over a short Metallica song. Uh, it's a clip from the song Through the Never. It's a badass song. Can I just talk about Metallica for a minute? Talk about a roller coaster. They were awesome, then they kind of sucked, then the cycle repeated like four times, and now they rock again. Kind of like a cold sore. You're like, yeah, it's probably herpes, then it goes away and you don't think about it. But winter rolls around and you're like, wait, is it herpes or is this weather related? It's because I shave wrong and cut my lip, right? Is there herpes on my razor? I'm not too sure how this is all related to Metallica. Anyway, the rest of the music, like the main intro theme, the outro, and the interstitials are all from license-free audio libraries. Some listeners have said they don't like the transition music. What do you think? Keep it, or just let the episode flow naturally? Shorter interstitials? I just think the right music kind of tells a story. You know, it winds up to a story, or crescendos from the end of a good story. Imagine watching Titanic without that Celine Dion song. Just three hours of Leonardo DiCaprio being really cold and Kate Winslet's boobies. Actually, I, I kind of get what they're saying now. So when the podcast is uploaded to YouTube, the artists and their songs are supposed to be detected and music credits are supposed to be automatically listed below the video. But I don't think that always happens, so I'm going to get better about giving song credits in the descriptions. The artists deserve credit, even if they have been making soap commercial jingles for the last two years. Wait, do soap commercials have jingles? And for that matter, why the fuck does soap need a commercial? Who thinks to themselves, you know, I'm still really on the fence about that one bar of soap, but this commercial with a talking scrub brush is definitely nudging me in the right direction. I talked about merch a while back, and in the next few weeks, I'm going to release some designs for your consideration. Now, the problem is I have no fucking clue how to mass produce it. I have some sticker ideas, maybe a t-shirt. I'm not sure what looks good on what. Maybe I'll do both. If you have any ideas on how I can get a vendor who'd do that, I'd appreciate it. Just tell my sister-in-law, and believe me, it'll fucking get to me. Don't worry, she doesn't listen to the show. I may cap the quote-unquote season of episodes at around 20, since that'd be about five months' worth. But I do want to work on some non-canon episodes, Maybe episodes where I tell some stories, a new segment I'm developing where cops talk about best spots to eat, you know, since they know the best ones. And also very exciting to me is a series where I might sit down with cops' spouses or partners to have them tell their stories. Would you be interested in that? This is like me asking you, hey, I have courtside tickets to the Knicks game, but after we're done, would you also like to go play a pickup game in the parking lot? That's not a fair analogy, actually. Plus, it's kind of mean. No one wants to see the Knicks except Knicks fans. But I do think sitting down with the folks who are side-by-side with our offices and their homes would bring a very interesting perspective. Let me know. 
that's a stupid idea. I'll probably just do it anyway. Lastly, I wanted to thank you all for subscribing, sharing, telling your cop buddies and your feedback. It really means the world to me. I had someone tell me the other day that he put his entire shift onto the show. That is pretty fucking cool. Hopefully they're listening to this now. Hey, turn this off. Go back to work. Oh, wait, no, better yet. Play this podcast for the AP during transport. Let me talk to him. You happy now? Is this what you wanted? Officer told you to listen, but no, you just had to run. Look at you, all cuffed up. Wait, does this count as custodial interrogation? Shit, hopefully you've Mirandized the guy. Oh, oh, if it's a DWI, can I do the statutory warning? That should be my next video idea. I'll record a version of me reading the statutory warning, but all shitty. You'll be asked to provide a specimen of your breath and or blood. And you better give it, because if you don't, we're going to get a warrant and stick you with the biggest fucking goddamn needle you've ever seen in your life. Hopefully you've paused the show by now and the AP's no longer listening. But seriously, thanks to everyone for your support. Now on to our guest. This is a dear friend of mine who's grown so much in the time I've known him. In fact, I was so interested in his perspective that his appearance will actually be a two-parter. You're going to hear from Bob, a former big city cop who's now a big fish in a small pond. More accurately, he's a big baby-faced fish whose voice still cracks, like he's 12, in a small and very white pond. Sorry, it's Texas. There's a shit ton of white people. I've watched this kid develop from a snot-nosed, pimple-faced little shit to an amazing police veteran and a devoted father and husband. I know he's listening to this, and he deserves to know just how fucking proud of him I am. Especially since no one else tells him. Because he sucks. Get ready for part one of Officer Bob, the kid who knows a lot about everything. He even brought a list of topics to the interview. Nerd. Officer Bob, and I'm a police officer in the state of Texas. Cases like this affect us. Can can you tell us a little bit about that story? I know it's a real fresh case, so we don't want to fuck with anybody's privacy. Yeah, I'll I'll talk about it without going into too much detail. Uh, So actually, it started about a year ago. We got a disturbance call on one of our residential neighborhoods and came out. A girl ran to a neighbor's house covered in blood. We get there, very, very preliminary, ask her a couple questions, you know, what happened, where's this guy at? Still in my house, me and another officer go in, we clear the house, we find him. Find him laying in his bed, hiding under cover, covered in blood. Of course, we do the police thing, we assist him out of the bed, hook him up. His actual, which is one of the more get kind of showing his his mental state is that his excuse for why he was covered in blood, mind you, his, his girlfriend is across the street, the shit beating out of her, mm-hmm. um, was that they were having sex and she was on her period. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's covered head to toe mm-hmm. in blood. Cut just on his boxers, whip him out. Turns out that he had beat her for quite a bit of time. Every time she fell down, he'd stand her up, beat her again, threw her into a table corner right to the forehead 
had a hole in her forehead. To get away from him, she actually locked herself in the bathroom and then rammed her body through the glass window into the backyard and ran around to the side up. gate. To to get to, exactly. So, so she's, co- she's covered in blood. She's covered Cuts. in blood. She, yep. Um, Are there kids in the house? Not at the time, no. So, you know, he obviously gets his EPO. I put, you know, impeding breath on him. A couple months later, it expires. She bails him out and brings him back. This continues. Sometimes assaults weren't as bad. They continue. At one point, the child was involved, and they're, he ended up getting her hooked on meth. They're going, you know, back and forth about something. He takes the kid, runs out back at the backyard. Not his kid. Not his kid, no. So she calls. She's worried about it. Show up. We end up arresting him again for, you know, unlawful restraint for the child. He goes to jail. Now, a couple days ago, we get another call. I'm actually, I was covering patrol, but I was actually doing another assignment at the time. What was your assignment? Something stupid? Kind of. <laughs> just, just just tell our listeners. No, no, no. no. I recently <laughs> went over to a different assignment. Yeah, I, and, and you're stationed, you were stationed there. Right, and, and you're, I was. You're not on, you're not on patrol. And, right, I was, I was not on patrol. But now, you, this particular night, you were covering. No, actually, I wasn't. I was, oh, okay. I was still, so I went to, a, I ended up with the new legislation going into effect, and SRO was going to all the schools. I, I live where I work, mm-hmm. and my kids go to this school. Mm-hmm. Well, my entire career, you know, I have a, almost an eight-year-old, and I mm-hmm. never got to put him to bed, never, yeah. you know, don't get to do those things, because I'm always working. You know, I've had day shifts here and there, but things happen, you get overtime, you miss, you miss events, you miss birthdays, you miss soccer games, football games. Things like that. So this was a very good opportunity for, for my family. So I took it. Now I have holidays, nights, weekends, mm-hmm. things like that off. And I'm on the same exact schedule as him and my wife. So I was actually there, but as soon as I heard this address, I mean, this is a this is an address when I was working nights. I constantly rolled through there, you know, checked out on, on her house. Even when he had the EPO, you know, especially when he had the EPOs, I would always roll by. You know, I, I know the cars that they drive. Things like that. That's kind of police work. Like, I like doing that. Um, you know, if I find a guy I know and he's got an EPO at a local hotel, I've actually, you know, followed him and have Google Maps, you know, 500 feet of mm-hmm. the main roads. And I'm, I'm waiting for them to, you know, make a right turn mm-hmm. and go down this 100-foot road. That, and I'm like, ah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. But so I was actually working at the school, mm-hmm. and I heard this call come out, heard the address, immediately got up. Went to the car, got out there. We get out there, and she's again across the street, covered in blood. I mean, she, bad, beyond you know recognition. Face is swollen, her ears are cower flowered, she's got bite marks, contusions on the back of her head. She ends up, we end, they ended up making an entry. Um, they what, had, was the door locked? No, it wasn't. Okay. And they ended up making an entry. I got there right after they made entry because I had to run to the other side of the school and get my squad car. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they again find him same spot covered in blood. Mm-hmm. She ends up going to the hospital. She ends up having a brain bleed, two broken vertebrae, a broken hand, I believe a broken collarbone, damaged carotid artery, swelling to her face, contusions to the back of her head, and her some of her injuries were life threatening. So we're still kind of updating that. And he ended up going for he was actually on felony probation for when I arrested him a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he had multiple probation violation warrants out that we took him for impeding breath, SBI, and interfering with an out one call. He smashed her phone. Smashed with, her. The, with, the, with the hammer. So hopefully he'll go away and not mess with her anymore. But I. My, my thing is, it's a tale as old as time. I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. No, this is fourth or fifth time. He's gotten out, gone right back. Part of it's the courts, part of it's her. I guess what I mean is not necessarily this couple. I mean, this scenario. I right. mean, how many DVs have you gone? I mean, the people in this room that we've gone to. Right. And it's the same over and over. You recognize the address. You recognize the... So, you know, what do they teach you in SAFIC, right? Sexual Assault Family Violence Investigators course, you know, like the certain words you use with the victim and we leave the family violence brochures, they always have to be printed on bright green or bright yellow to stand out. You know, all these little tips and tricks, but, you know, ultimately, it's just, what the fuck can you do? I mean, she's hooked on the meth. She loves him. And when you interview the AP... I mean, if you even need to. Oh, I mean, it's never his fault. It's her fault. You know, defamation of character. He, she does this to herself. All, all that kind of stuff. But who's the one standing there watching this guy covered in fucking blood and then just seeing her condition? And so uh, I wanted to, you know, when when, when real cops <laughs> hear this story, they're all going to know what we're talking about. But I wanted to hit on something interesting, which is you didn't need to respond. Did you? No, technically not. They had enough elements, right? Fair to say? Right. Could have handled it. It wasn't like a DP. Absolutely could have handled it. You are at a different assignment. You hear it because you're monitoring your radio. I'm going to go ahead and submit that other officers in your similar assignment may not even have the radios on. Yeah. Yeah, that's so you're you're monitoring. <laughs> disagree with that coming from you know fresh out of patrol. You're monitoring your radio, and you run across the campus to get in your car and respond without giving me the PC bullshit answer. Why? What makes? I want to get in your head. What makes somebody do that? You didn't have to do that. Right. You're, you're you're assigned to. A, why? 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 What do you get out of it? I'm going to be a dick now. What the fuck do you get out of it? Well, I, I mean, I personally don't get anything out of it. So why do it? Well, I mean, honestly, I want to make sure that, you know, she's okay. I want to try to do my part and making sure that this doesn't happen again by writing a good supplement or, or helping with the PTF or whatever it is. You know, I want to make sure. To, to me, you know, family violence is very dangerous. No one's going to, you know, a lot of times we, as cops, we go to calls and we're, we're there to settle an argument, right? Shit didn't happen. It is what it is. She's calling, saying this, knowing we're going to have to make an arrest. But mm-hmm. in cases like this, this did, I mean, this is, she needs our help. She's going to refuse it, but she needs it. She doesn't, you know, she's not going to admit that she needs it. And I would like to be that person to help her. And, you know, I just, I think that's kind of why everybody gets in there. You have a servant heart. You, you get in there because you want to, you want to help people who can't help people. Not everybody does it for that and what I'm trying to hit on and I'm, I'm trying to pull it out of you and it's you know she's not going to take your help you know she's it, it, this this the likelihood of this happening again is a, but you're still going to be there right so what I used to tell 
my students and other cops is, you know those movies where it's like a dystopian future and society has crumbled and there's always that scene, right? Where they're like, oh my God. And they call 911, right? And it's like, do, 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 do. It's a busy signal. Or thanks for calling. Your emergency is important to us. Like anytime the police are not there for us, that's how we know like, oh my God, something is wrong. So when you talk about constantly rolling through the neighborhoods, fucking Google mapping the guy, you know, getting out your sextant, you know, that thing that you fucking stare through to fucking map the fucking degrees and stuff. When you do that, that's the society we depend on. That's being a fucking cop. Not turning your fucking radio off, working your cushy 10-hour gig at the schools, and then going home to, you know, jerk off into a soda can. And so... I want to, that's what I'm trying to hit on, right? Like, we do it not because it's, you know, I mean, really, nothing's going to change. You weren't there to prevent the assault. You can't make her heal. You can't heal her. Yeah. But you're there. And you know that name. And you know the report. And you know the AP. And, And we're always going to be there, no matter what. Do you, do you carry any of that with you? Do you brush it off? Is it just another job to you? Is it just another call? I mean, how much of that? You said servant heart. Uh, admittedly, I'm, I'm not. I'm just a piece of shit, you know, who makes fun of people and, and yells into a mic. But, I mean, does, does that still mean something to you? It does. It does. I mean, I think it's, you know, faded and come back in different ways, things like that, you know, over my career. But it, it still does. Things, you know... When you talk about cases like that, yeah, it, it does. Right, where they stick with you? Yeah. We owe a duty to these people. Right. And not everyone takes that duty similarly. Your path to the job is a little unique and not always something you, you had your heart set on. Is that fair? That is fair. It, you considered it. That is fair. Yeah, you considered it. Can you walk me through a little bit? Absolutely not. And you may or may not know all of it, too. Yeah, so, I, I pro- no, I, I don't. I've never asked you in, in, in a formal setting like this. So my whole life growing up, you know, I always wanted to do something serving, you know, either go to the, be in the military or be a firefighter or, or be a cop, right? Some of it was the cool guy appeal, you know, it's, it's cool. Looks cool, looks badass, looks fun. You get to do stuff, right? Totally out of character for you at the time. Right? Totally out of character. <laughs> Shall I share the, the Instagram handle with our listeners? Yeah. Or have you scrubbed Have you scrubbed the profile of all those? Oh, they're still in there. Oh, still... okay. Well, first of all, yeah, yeah, hold I've, on. I've applied hold for on, a Hold on, hold on a second. Okay. okay. So clean, clean all, all right. Up. He's like, yeah, Smoothie King. So, uh, you know, like, I just feel like I could make the best smoothie. With, with in his fucking muscle t-shirt. But it's not our regular, it's not these muscle t-shirts. You know, like, the one that's, like, shredded? You know, that's the one that's, like, really loose on their body? He wears that one. You can start from that point. They're cheap. You can start, yeah. see? See? I, I, I knew it! I knew it! You, you cut the sleeves off yourself, okay? <laughs> it doesn't get cheaper than that. Everybody knows that. But, but you know, a, a, you know, young, impressionable, had your eyes set on, you're kind of not sure, and then... Right, but it goes back further than that. Okay. So... When I was five or six, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, you're, you're very close to our family, so right, you, right. you know my siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, mine and my siblings' father was actually arrested. 
and some weird way I've never really been able to explain it, but I've always felt like I've owed a debt to pay his debt, not not mine. Yeah, you're right. carrying you're carrying his debt. Right. You know, he was arrested. He did, I think, ten years in prison. You know, up in you know northern U.S. But so that kind of started it, and then just you know, what do I want to do with my life? I always wanted to. A big driving factor for me was always I wanted to have a successful and healthy home life with my wife and my kids. So I looked at different ways I could do that, and you know, like a dumbass, I picked being a cop. Wanted to be, you know, healthy <laughs> home life. But um, so the little bit of debt that I always felt like I I carried for somebody else that made decisions when I wasn't making decisions for myself. So. Mm-hmm. But it, but it, you also weren't you weren't like a bad kid, you know. No, it's like I you wasn't. it's like you didn't have anything to like quote unquote atone for yourself, you know. Right. You you it's it's like you carried this burden. Why did you feel like you, that was your burden? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's I weird. Have no idea. Right, and you just it was something you knew as a kid that does happen. Daddy's right. in blank. And you're just like, well, I guess I just have to try not to be a fucking piece of shit. Right, yeah, and exactly so. As, you know, growing up, the, the father figure for me was, don't be like that. Right. So, I've done everything to not be like that. And then I went to, you know, college, and my sister and her, my brother-in-law, they, you know, met that's how we that, That's how we met, you and I. Right. 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 So, I was doing, doing my, my paper and needed to do a profile paper on somebody, somebody interesting. So, I picked you, and I, we talked. We, we hadn't met. At the, I feel like we, we hadn't. We hadn't. Right, right. No. We had never met at that point. I think I knew of you, um, or like we had seen each other at a party, or Christmas, or somebody's graduation, or or no? Am I getting that wrong? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it may have been a graduation. It might something, it, but I didn't know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, definitely not to the extent that I, I knew you after we've, that. We've never had a, a, a fucking conversation. Right. right. Yeah, I think I had seen you at some some event, and yeah. you know, you knew my brother-in-law, right, a lot, right. and he you would tell me stories, and I needed to find somebody interesting to write a paper on, so I I, I chose you, and you know, you Leave it cliche out. answered the call, <laughs> yeah. and took my, you know, sat there and answered all my questions for a couple hours, and I took a paper and wrote it, and then you, I think you invited me on a on a ride out, and that was probably my first, other than seen a cap here and there or something happened and you talk to a cop never right. part of any kind of you know investigation or anything but you offered a ride out and I went on a ride out with you mm-hmm. in one of your old your old cities and I think at that point I kind of knew exactly what I wanted to do I feel like I was already kind of leaning that way and you just put that last nail in and we <laughs> went that way and a couple years later I ended up applying for an apartment got hired on and here we are we uh when we say, you know, I mean, you're young, you're impressionable, you're kind of not sure. Now you have this, like, oh, you know what? I, I do think this is what I want to do. That's great and all, but somewhere along the way, you're like, oh shit, like, can can, can I do this? Is, is this the right job for me? I mean, did you or did you always feel like, yeah, I fucking got this? No, um, I mean, especially. At the time that I actually started the academy, I had a lot going on. You know, I was learning how to be an adult myself. Right. I was about to be a father. Right. Never done that before. Um, which there's another and that story was, and there. That was that was totally planned. Yeah. Abs- was, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
son, if you're, wasn't, you know, wasn't my, our plan. Son, if you're <laughs> listening to listening to this ten years from now, you know, daddy loves it. Yeah. So, and it's 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 like okay. So now you got to learn how to be a father, a partner to your spouse, or you know, then partner, and then you have to also learn how to be a fucking cop and survive the academy. Right. So no, yeah. There's a lot of unknowns. I think I fear the unknown, and I fear failure more than you know anything else. But there's a lot of unknowns. So I've talked, yeah, I'm sorry. So I've talked about this on previous podcasts with previous um, uh, guests, but uh, you are, um, you're not a little guy, but you have a baby face. And I said, you're going to have to compensate for that. You know, I heard, I heard that come up, I think, in yeah, one another, of the other another, another podcast, podcasts, because yeah, I'm you, a good you, supporter and I liked and shared. But. My, my, my motherfucking man. Yeah. And so when we talk about kind of compensating for that, did you ever run into that? You know, so in the academy, one of the days the instructors were talking about characteristics of people who would mm-hmm. you have to compensate for things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mine was very obviously the baby face. Mm-hmm. To the point that they actually called me El Tigre, the tiger, you know, because mm-hmm. there, there was a joke saying, you know, oh, and they see you get out of the car, they're going to see your uniform and... And you'd be like, oh, hey, Tiger, how'd you, how'd you get that? Did your dad, your dad let you borrow that? Oh, fucking Halloween. Yeah. Right. So in the academy, they actually called me El Tigre because of that. Um, but on the street, I think my biggest, the, the way I compensated for this was mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. I had the confidence because I knew what I could do. I knew what I could and I couldn't do, and I knew where the lines were, right? So, and I was never afraid to you know, just show my knowledge. You know, I'm not saying I was right all the time, but I would go home and I'm like, hey, this seems like there's a loophole somewhere. And I would start reading traffic code or I would start reading the penal code and things like that. And I just knew what I could and couldn't do. And then I, at the time, I tried to stay athletic and mm-hmm. always made sure, you know, shine your boots, make sure your uniform's pressed, don't look like shit. You, you roll out of the squad car with powdered donut dust on you and you don't know what you're talking about. I feel attacked. They're going to see that. Yeah, I feel attacked. The other thing is, is I felt like because of my childhood, I grew up poor. Everybody looks at me now and they think I came from, you know, I was a Wealth. rich suburb kid and mm-hmm. never had anything. No, I, I, I grew up poor, single. You know, my mom made minimum wage taking care of multiple kids. Many times we ate hot dogs, you know, for, for dinner and right. or didn't eat. Right. So... And so, being able to yeah. relate to some of these people, right? right. You can, and, and depending on the areas you work, you have to adjust how you address people. You don't just, you know, working in one area of the city, you, you talk to people a certain way. You got to be able to adapt. So being able to adapt and, and being knowledgeable about what you can and can't do will carry you a long way. Well, you weren't working in Beverly Hills. No. No, no right. And so here you have, okay, so. Let's run down the checklist where we're, where we're at right now. Fresh out the academy, all this pressure. Young white kid, baby face, in the hood, and right. you have to compensate. And you, I, I, that's what I was trying to bring out of you, and I'm glad you talked about it. Because f- from the moment you got on the job, I got that from you. You know, our late night phone calls. And, and it wasn't that, I'm not, I please, I'm not trying to paint myself as like some great mentor. I'm just saying, like, the few phone calls that we had, I always got this sense from you, like, you know, Bob, I, I, I don't think that's right, but I looked it up and I, and I researched and, you know, I think he was saying this and that, but 
uh, you know, I just don't feel like, you know, and they're like, well, you know, I think you're right, Bob, you know. And so then it's like, he said something to me one day, our, our guest said something to me one day on the phone, and, and I was like, okay, he's going to be okay. You know, you always have that moment, right, when, when someone's like, oh, no, no, fucking no, this fucking guy, you know. And he goes, you know, I, I think about it all the time, that an arrest, we're depriving them of their most basic civil liberties. I had another guest who said the same thing, who got it. Right. Can you expound on that a little bit and why that hit? So you actually, you told me one day before I ever even hit the street, you were like, just remember, you know, just because you can arrest somebody doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, right? Yeah, just, can, can, just because you can, you can't, you sh- doesn't mean you should. Right. And another thing you said is whenever I was riding out with you one day, you were talking about the, the different levels of your license, your, your basic, intermediate, advanced, master, peace officer, and you were talking about a filter and how this knowledge kind of just filters through, and the higher up you get, the, the more knowledgeable you are. So just having that knowledge, and if you don't understand something, don't lie to these people because they're, they're going, they're going to call you on it. They're, they're going to call you on it, and now you're, you're backtracking, and that just starts to snowball. So know your stuff before you get there. If I was going to a call and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is. You're going right. to look it up. Right. And I was working for a department where we had a lot of reps right. and a lot of different stuff, you know, from first page to last page of the penal code right. and arrest. You know, we, we used it all. Right, right. Uh, and that's good, right, having that call for service. Because some right. smaller departments don't have as many calls for service. Right. And, and I've worked for both. And <clears throat> right. I feel like I can... You know, I know the difference between the between the two, um, but no, just being knowledgeable is. It, if you don't know what you're doing, you and, need to figure it out. And so here we have the moral of the story, right, gentlemen? Which is, you compensated, you were, competent, knowledgeable, but you cared. You didn't abuse your discretion. You were well balanced, and so it's kind of if you look at it like a. I know. I feel like you. You look like a gamer to me. I don't know why. I just feel, it doesn't even look like a gamer, right? As a matter of fact, when we put on the the headsets, he's like, "Yeah, we got Call of Duty." Yeah. So that the, I'm, I'm getting the I'm getting the gamer like a lot of like Mountain Dew Code Red, you know what I'm saying? Like like, you know. But anyway, so like when you when you start a character, right? You know how you can adjust statistics, and you know speed, agility, whatever, right? But I feel like if you're low on I'm making not for you, but if you're low on speed, then you're going to increase in accuracy, or, or 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 whatever, what have you. And I feel like you did that. I feel like you said, okay, what could I be better at, and then just continue to get better and better. And yeah. and, and and I don't know, like, where does that come from? Because you're just a young dumb punk kid, you know. You've you've always kind of checked yourself, right? You've always kind of humble. I get I, if you know is 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 a sense that I get for you humility. Where do you learn that humility? Where do you learn that um, self discipline? Again, just you know, growing up, going through the struggles that we went through, it wasn't always easy, and mm-hmm. you know, through hard times, you 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 learn that. at your previous deployment, you told me about a pretty harrowing story uh, that resulted in a life-saving award. Can you tell our our listeners about that story? 
So it's it's funny you say that because that that particular story is probably, I, I'm, in my opinion, I feel like the the least deserving story, you know, of of a life saving award. I feel like you know, there's a lot of other things that I actually did to deserve a life saving award, and this one, it, this particular one was. Are you talking about the jumper? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This particular one, you know, I always ask myself, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, because now that I have an office and, you know, I got all my awards hanging up, you know, I don't know if she actually would have jumped or not, you know, and, and there, there was, there was a part with, you know, other officers involved too, but we were trying to find her. She came out, the call came out at another location. Fortunately for me, I ended up taking one of the exit ramps because the other officers got over there first and that, that she wasn't there. Right. So... I circle circle back and taking off an, an exit ramp and over and I see a little green dress like floating in the wind between the rails and this and this girl she is facing out away from from the from the bridge and she's got her hands back like this and she's holding and she's crying and you know I I'm thinking she's gonna jump. Are you are you first on scene? I was first on scene. Were you solo? At the time, yeah, okay. yeah, it was. And I had about just probably midnight or something like that. Um, and and it's crazy to for for the non police out there who's ne- or cops who've never been in this situation. You don't know like like if I can just pick your brain for a second. I know this story maybe not, doesn't mean much to you, but I really want people to understand like what the fuck do you do? Who the fuck taught you anything about what to do in a situation like this? <laughs> what was it? Week eight when they talked about jumpers, like. You know, so you get there, and you're like, oh, my God. So now you're like, please don't jump. Please don't fucking jump. Please don't fucking jump. Yeah. You know? know? I I remember standing there, and I was like, I feel like my legs are going to give out. Like, I thought I was going to throw up on myself. And and your car, your fucking shield, your gun, your level 17 fucking holster, your triple mag light. Means nothing. Jack fucking shit. Means nothing. Yeah, we we were able to actually talk talk her into turning back around and we were and she was wasted too you could smell the alcohol on well her. we we or you so there's a couple couple officers there mm-hmm. we all took our turns i'm, st- I'm starting right. talking to her and you know i think the three of us ended up talking to her right. and then um she ended up actually listening to us and mm-hmm. i remember what actually hit was that her her i don't know if i told you this part or not but mm-hmm. her father she mentioned something about her father being um, an officer for that same department mm. um, and hey how, would, you, would, you, would you want your officer your dad to see you like this and that got her to turn around and everybody's mm. freaking out because you know, I'm freaking out in my head who said that she's who said that line it was not me okay so she's, that's how you know that's how you know he's not lying right no it <laughs> was not me no it was a a more experienced and then officer he, and then he picked her up like like this like he cradled her head in his arm and he brushed the hair behind her ear. And he's like, everything's going to be okay. No. So she, she's wasted. She's turning around. She's about to come back. We're right. hoping she's about to come back over. But now our fear is that she's going to fall because she's drunk. Oh, well, sure. So as soon as she starts to make the move to where, okay, she's kind of giving in. You know, we all we grab her and we throw her in cuffs. I ended up taking her up to, you know, the hospital. one of the hospitals and getting her right. some mental health evaluations. And, yeah, we ended up getting a life-saving award for that. But... That was one of those ones where I was like, for, for this one? Really? Are you serious? And I get from your perspective, it's, it is all relative. Right. Because I didn't get a fucking award for the other ones. 
but I don't feel like you should diminish what you did. Right. And I, I don't I don't think we do. I think I okay. think she would have either jumped or fallen. fallen. Yeah, and it was high. I would have, I would say at least eighty to hundred feet. Yeah, no, um, I mean, she would have died, or then when she fell, she would have been hit by a car. Right, right, because it's an overpass. Right, and so you know, I I don't um, I don't know. Like we we parse out like the good that we did, right? We're like, ah, oh, that wasn't a big deal. You know, humility and everything like. You saved the fucking person's life. And if that were your sister or your mother or your daughter, aren't you glad that Officer Bob was there that night and his, 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 his coworkers? You know, we don't, we, we, don't, uh, we don't talk about that enough, right? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, look, 15 years, I did the same thing. Ah, oh, it's not a big deal. And I'm not saying, like, I was Billy Badass and saved a bunch of people. I'm just saying we, we you know, we diminished our efforts. We get the bar. You know, like they would put, put on our fucking over our nameplate when we go to funerals, right? And then when we finally get in office, we put the fucking certificate, you know? Initially, we kept it at home, and we put it up, like, over, like, the fireplace. Or, like, no, on the wall, on the staircase going upstairs. That's to, where we put it. To piggyback on that, I remember, you know, at the capsule board banquet. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm younger than some of the other guys that were out there, and sure. there was four of us that got it. We... I remember talking to one of them. I was like, oh, or a couple weeks later, I was like, oh, yeah, where'd you, where'd you put your placard, right? And I, and I got it. You know, it was a sure. fireplace. I'm oh, proud yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. There's, 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 there's nothing else around it. Like, it's just it's just on a blank wall. <laughs> you know, here's a candle, like a Yankee candle that smells like ginger snaps, and then his award over the mantle. Right. So I remember him saying, he was like, actually, he's like, yeah, dude, I, I, I threw it. And, and I know he's lying. I mean, right, he's right, like, right. I threw it in the drawer in the garage. Sure. Right. And sure. I was like, oh, come be proud of it, and and I am proud of that. You know, I take I take that one award as kind of like a, you know, I combined all the things that I did, and I'm like the things that I felt personally felt like I was more deserving, but nobody took the time to write it up. You know, and, that, and that's another thing as far as if, if you are a supervisor or you are command staff and you you want to be a leader. You know, when when your guys deserve recognition, give them recognition. Nobody's gonna ask for it, but everybody likes it. You want them to work hard. Next time they do something cool. Write them up, I guarantee you're going to get a, at least a couple weeks out of them. I mean, and it's going to snowball. Um, but yeah, no, I got that up in my office now. And just to kind of wrap up this particular story, I want to say that, and again, I'm not kissing your ass or anything, but I want to say that um, if you do nothing else, this is why you signed up for the job, right? You save people. Right, save people. Tell me a story where you, and you probably should have gotten an award. Tell me, give me one of the better ones. All right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not. He's like, all right, bitch. Fucking watch. <laughs> and, he, and he like shifted in his chair like, come fucking catch me outside. So prior to working where I'm working now, I, I, I actually, I worked for the department for five and a half years. I was there. Um, I worked for a couple different sectors or channels. We call them not sectors, channels. Yeah, I worked. Um, towards the beginning, you, after you get off of field training, there you go to you go to Little T, hmm. which you're not on training. Nobody's grading you, but you're gonna ride with a more senior officer, 
you know, it might be somebody who came out of the academy two classes before you, or right. it could be a guy that's been there for 10 years. Um, so after I got off Little T, or, you know, I, I, I ride with a couple different guys, and, you know, I really like them. Once I get off Little T, I, I ride with different guys, you know, on, on different days of the week. They all have their partners, and when their partners are off, I, you know, I slip mm-hmm. in there, and we, and we ride together. Mm-hmm. It's actually probably one of the more fun times in my career, because every day of the week, I rode with a different guy, and then on my Fridays, I always rode by myself. Me and uh, another guy, I won't, I won't mention him, we... An active shooter call comes out up in the area. Um, I remember we were somewhere off of a QT over there, up of like, and I think kind of by the over there. And we go code up there. Everybody's going up there because now we got multiple calls. We got an active shooter going on, and we got a shooting. They all they all end up being the same thing. Mm-hmm. We go to the apartment that's on on the shooting, and we get there, and there's. Man, running through this complex, you're going down the sidewalks, and it looks like someone's pouring a bucket of blood over their shoulder as they're running, right? Mm-hmm. Just a bucket of paint, just pouring and pouring and pouring. So we get into this apartment in the little, little foyer area, the you know, all six tiles, you know, that mm-hmm. are right there. It's super slippery. We're all slipping. And the guy's got a uh, gunshot wound to his left or right arm. I don't remember which one. And we ended up putting a tourniquet on it. Well, there was so much chaos, so much going on. The fire department wouldn't come to us, right? They're, we're up on the second floor. There's a there's a fence. You know, you go off the breezeway. There's a fence, and then on either side of the fence, there's the there's such heroes. Fire engine. Every every one last one of them. They would not, they would not come up there, which ended up sparking a lot of a lot of tension during heroes. That particular call. heroes. Let's pause for a minute and thank our brave firefighters who wait until the scene is secure and then even then we'll give it a 15 mississippi all right let's continue so we, we get this tourniquet on and we're like this guy needs to get in the back of an ambulance now i mean i'm telling you you're coming through at least a you know an average apartment building length there's just blood every, everywhere mm-hmm. so well we ended up picking him up i grabbed him underneath his arms his back's on my chest my partner ends up grabbing him on the feet we we carry him out of the apartment down the flight of stairs out the back side of the apartment because the front is a metal gate you know we can't get, get, get through there so we end up carrying him all the way around to the the vehicle gates mm-hmm. and we put him on the stretcher ourselves after mm-hmm. carrying him, we probably carried him 100 yards all the way around mm-hmm. and he's covered in blood we're covered in blood i remember getting to the hospital we fall into the hospital to check his status and I remember pulling my magazines out of the pouches and, and there's pools of blood inside my magazines. Like my whole uniform was covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that we would get something out of that because I remember, you know, a supervisor being on scene and telling us great job. And, you know, the story kind of went around, but nothing ever came out of that. Um, so when I see my life-saving horn, I kind of think of moments like that. And there's a couple other moments that I have where I feel like, you know, maybe I don't feel like I deserve it for this one, but... Over my career, I feel like there's enough to deserve it. The award that you won for that particular event, not necessarily emblematic or award-worthy, but it's a proxy for all the good that you have done. Right. And the fire department, they, like I said, they wouldn't they wouldn't come in because we didn't have a, a shooter in custody, right? We, you know, we didn't know where the shooter was. Mm. Turns out that this guy that we saved his life, 
he was the shooter. Yeah, ND or something. Right, he, uh, something, you know. At home playing with it or cleaning it or something. No. uh, Just, you know, a couple different little gangs. They, something over a girl, he goes and he shoots at this group of guys, misses every single shot. One guy shoots one time, hits him in the arm, and severs his artery. Hmm. So there's two shooters, but okay. one suspect. Okay, okay. All right. And <clears throat> what goes through your head? So, like, you see a guy covered in blood, right? Like, ew, I don't want to touch him. I want I just want to wait for the fire department, right? I mean, I don't know if you're going to die or not. There's a lot of blood, but, like, like what, is the, what is the mechanism? What is the, what is the thinking? Like, well, I mean, you know, we're some of us are trained. You you have you have the knowledge. You know what you need to do. It's not it's not up to us to pick who lives, who doesn't live. You just you do what you need to do. And there's really not a lot of thinking in the moment. That's the point I was trying to make. You just you, do you it. T- when you show up and there's a bitch about to jump off the fucking goddamn bridge. You don't like open up your like Siri. How do you stop? Like like you just fucking get in there and you do it. Right. And then you build up the muscles. You build up the kind of sort of memory and you're like, maybe next time it won't be as bad even though it is worse or the same and you just go and do it. Um, do you think that, uh, you know, you come home and you're covered in blood or you go back to the station and you're covered in blood and, and do you ever think about that? Do you ever think like, you gross or I might have a disease. Or, what the fuck did I just see? And How do you cope with that? And then stare at your kids in the face. So, that's actually something that... At first, you're kind of like... You know, other than going to a funeral, I'd never seen a dead body before I started. I think day two, guy flying down... <laughs> on a motorcycle with cocaine in his pocket. T-bones, a, a SUV you know, turning, and he, I think he ran the red light, and he ends up killing himself, and I remember, like, oh, man, it's, like, the first dead body I've seen in a critical incident, and I remember after that, it wasn't 30 minutes after that, my, my trainer was, like, I was going eat, and we were sitting back at the station eating, and I'm, like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what the fuck, we, this dude was just dead on the street, and we're over here eating, and it was just, you know, always baffled me, and then, Eventually, you just kind of get numb to it, which is equally, you know, scary because eventually that all comes back when you least expect it. That or when you lose someone in your personal life, when it's not work related, are you now the fucking psychopath that's right. not sad or doesn't cry? So uh, something that my second base trainer told me, he said, when you go and you deal with these people, you know, always treat them as humans. We call them 46s there, right? You know, just MHMR, CITU, or whatever you want to call them. And he always said, you know, always treat them like people because we're all just one incident away from being just like them. You know, you, you lose a child, you lose a husband, you lose a spouse, now you're crazy. You know, something clicked and I, you're, you're the crazy one, right?
Thanks so much for listening, subscribing, and sharing. Please rate and review the show and follow us on all platforms. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Our website is nfipodcast.com, YouTube at NFI Podcast, and please reach out to us at podcast at nfipodcast.com. New episodes released weekly or whenever I feel like it. Help us spread the show, tell us what you think, and put a buddy on. I'll see you out there. Stay safe and remember, do your job. Do your job.